This is The Space Shot, episode 186 for November 16th, 2017. An ISS assembly flight and a goodwill mission. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. I've got two quick launch updates before I start on anything else. The Falcon 9 Zuma mission is scheduled to lift off later today, November 16th, and I'll be shooting off a link to the live stream on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so keep an eye out for that. The launch of the Delta II on the JPSS-1 mission has been scrubbed again. This is now the third time the Delta II has been scrubbed for launch. The first time was to change out a faulty battery. The second time was due to some boats that were in the range and a first stage alarm. And then finally, this time, it had been scrubbed due to unfavorable upper level winds. I'm linking to the Spaceflight Now launch schedule in the show notes. It's a really cool resource to be able to check out all of the launches that are coming up, even ones that aren't taking place here in the U.S. Now for some space history. On November 16th, 2009, the Space Shuttle Atlantis launched on STS-129, an ISS assembly mission that brought a lot of different pieces of equipment to the International Space Station. One that I found of particular interest was a piece of communications equipment called the Commercial Orbital Transportation Services Ultra High Frequency Communications Unit a long name for the piece of equipment that's used by SpaceX for their Dragon spacecraft to communicate with the station. According to a SpaceX press release from March of 2010, the communications equipment that launched with Atlantis on this day in 2009 is used to monitor and command approaching or departing Dragon spacecraft during cargo delivery missions to the orbiting laboratory. After delivery on STS-129, the SpaceX communications equipment was installed, tested, and declared ready in March of 2010. STS-129 also involved the delivery of a massive amount of spare parts, 27,250 pounds worth to be exact. The shuttles were large enough to carry ELCs, or Express Logistics Carriers, to the station. On this flight, extra control moment gyroscopes, nitrogen, ammonia, and gas high-pressure tanks, parts for robotic arm, and other miscellaneous high-importance parts were delivered to the station, ready to be used in the future if the need should arise. The mission also included a massive amount of work that was done to reconfigure the station for the arrival of the last American module to be delivered, the Tranquility Node. You've probably seen this part of the station numerous times without realizing it. Any of the pictures or video of astronauts in the cupola are in the Tranquility Node, since the cupola is part of that module. STS-129 saw some of my favorite astronauts fly to the space station. The first is Leland Melvin, the now-retired astronaut that has what can probably be described as the happiest astronaut photo in NASA history. Melvin is pictured with his two rescue dogs, and if you haven't seen this picture, you need to. I'll be linking to it in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. I'm also linking to an article by Ray Paletta on the story behind the picture, and it's a pretty cool post, so do check it out. Leland's flight in 2009 was his second time in space, and also his last. Also on board 129 was Randy Bresnik, the current commander of the International Space Station. His flight on Atlantis was his first time in space. 
Bresnik is a colonel in the United States Marine Corps and has flown to the ISS on both the space shuttle and a Soyuz capsule. He's scheduled to return to Earth later this December. Now for another piece of space history, on November 15th or 16th, depending on your time zone, the Spaceflight Europe America 500 capsule was launched on a Goodwill mission. The capsule carried gifts, religious icons, and various souvenirs from Russia, and after spending a week in space, it splashed down in the Pacific off of the coast of Washington State. The capsule was recovered and brought to Seattle, where it's now on display at the Museum of Flight. One final historical note for today, on November 16, 1963, President John F. Kennedy visited Cape Canaveral. He saw the launch of a Polaris missile from the submarine USS Andrew Jackson. He toured the launch complexes, met with Von Braun, and astronauts. Sadly, Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963. He was never able to see the launch of the new Saturn I vehicle he had inspected with Von Braun, or the countless Gemini or Apollo missions that followed. His legacy lives on after the Launch Operations Center was renamed Kennedy Space Center in his honor. I'll talk about that change on November 29th. Since you're here, why don't you let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of my daily episodes. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or click the link in the show notes. Tomorrow, Lunacod 1. Mr. Tim, good lord. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side. 